Boy, it feels like all the things I hate about life are coming to a head. What do you mean? It's getting colder. So cold. So cold. <laughs> Socks in house cold. Not even, oh, cute fall weather, boots weather. No, just bitter and dark and dreary and depressing. And now I'm sick. I'm sick in a way that is audibly visible in this current medium. And yet, if all that means that we can curl up with some mugs of cake and watch a good show, I think it's all worthwhile in the end. If I get a lot of free time off from work because of holidays and vacations and what have yous and have to deal with the sun setting at five o'clock in the afternoon, I'll deal. I don't like it, but I'll deal. (laughs) There is a reason that we picked our wedding to be in the middle of January in the dark, depressing doldrums of the year. One bright light, one shining hope in the darkness. But enough about that. (laughs) She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And And we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea. And if you couldn't tell from the picture, today we're talking about the princess switch. You joke. And that's all I hear about, though, on the interwebs. Everyone's talking about the princess switch. That's the new Christmas prince. Vanessa Hudgens trying a terrible European accent in a made-for-lifetime, I mean, Netflix movie, and she has to star in it. Good Lord, save me now. Hallmark makes 20 Christmas movies a year. You think Netflix wasn't going to try and cash in on that? Oh, they were. They absolutely were. Doesn't mean they should. Does not mean that they should. I don't know. I'm a bit of a sucker for a Prince and the Popper story. This looks terrible. I know. I, I, I watched the trailer for it, and I'm like, I don't need to watch anything more. This is terrible. I would have to be drunk to appreciate this in the slightest, and the reason I would appreciate that would be I'm going to riff the shit out of it. Well, maybe we'll make cake mugs with some Kahlua. <laughs> We can do that, right? Absolutely. We can do anything some we set our minds to. Some spiked eggnog and uh, some boozy fudge balls. A and... romantic uh, Mr. Flonase to stop my nose. <laughs> what are we actually talking about today, Liz? Shira, Shira. Oh my gosh. I have so much fun things to say about this show. Before we do that, let's get into the plug party. Sure. You can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us at Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. Our Twitter account is a barren wasteland. And if you forget any of those links, you can go to our website, Married to the Idea.weebly.com, for any of those links. And also, you can contact us. We are available on SoundCloud and iTunes. And Aaron, who is our lovely sponsor today? Our sponsor, of course, is Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. And that's T-O, not the number two. Background. I've never seen a single episode of She-Ra, a single episode of He-Man. 
you are catching two people who miss that wave of nostalgia and are literally jumping in from the perspective of a couple of millennials who really like the current trend of animation thus far. We are heavily biased. Heavily biased. Heavily we, biased. We are not 80s kids. Um, yeah, take this with that whatever grain of salt you want to include on that. We are not, oh my God, Jim or G.I. Joe. Those were not our jams back mm-hmm. in the day. Now, when they make that Pogs movie, then I'm going to get real invested. <laughs> I remember Pogs. No, when they make the uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark movie, or as our last episode was uh, me ranting and raving about how the Goosebumps movies are not living up to the hype that they should. Or all these shameless Disney live-action remakes, which are just as bad, if not worse, than the direct-to-video sequels. That is a... Tall insult. So with absolutely no background whatsoever, let's talk about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. In the Princesses of Power, you cannot Available on Netflix, a 13-episode series. Uh, first season just dropped on Netflix this past week. As always, we are right on top on the cutting edge of such <laughs> developments and decided, you know what? It's Thanksgiving. Let's treat ourselves. Let's not watch crap. Let's watch something that we're kind of interested in. I've been interested in watching the new She-Ra show since the imagery was first released because I know what She-Ra looked like before this. I knew that she had the bustiation of it, a Wonder Woman vibe going on, very much like a, a Barbie doll, very much that 80s ideal woman, razor thin, big boobs, big butt, and tall as the day is long. And in the same way that He-Man is muscles upon muscles. They're all male fantasy archetypes. So when I saw the imagery of this cool restyling of her actually playing into the idea that this is a show for younger kids, so maybe it'd be better to have a closer in age protagonist than an adult, maybe one that looks more like they are, maybe one that it's okay if they want to dress up like her for Halloween and go out. Ever since I saw the imagery, the colors are really great, the palettes, the designs are really cool. There's a lot of really beautiful animation and a lot of beautiful set design that's also really cool. So in those first little slides, I was really interested in seeing it. I was kind of ambivalent. Ambivalent? Uh, Ambidextrous. Um, (laughs) Ambiquotic? (laughs) Ambiguous? I really, I had no opinion about it, not because you know, oh, this looks terrible, or oh, it looks amazing, because it just, it didn't interest me one way or the other, um, you know, I didn't hate it like the Princess Switch, or, you know, I didn't think it was adorable and amazing like Hilda, it just, you know, when I saw those first images, I'm like, okay, and then when all the uproar, like, oh my god, this isn't She-Ra, she has to have a short mini skirt, and she has to look like she's a 80s fashion model, my my first thought was, why? Why? Yeah, why? I mean, like, there's been a lot of reimaginings. You know, uh, look at uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Scooby-Doo and how many times it's been reimagined. I mean, if you look at one of the more out-there reimaginings of Scooby-Doo, um, I've mentioned it numerous times on this podcast, Scooby-Doo Mystery, Inc., 
it's really angular. It's not like the classic, like, hey, Scoob, let's, like, go check out the kitchen zoinks. It's more like, hey, guys, there's this creepy old dude over here, and he might be possessed by a demon. Um, but we're not going to check that out right now, because we're going to go check out this other mystery. But we're going to come back to that in three episodes. It actually has arcs and stuff like that. Oh, so it has an over-series long arc, as opposed to just episodic. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it, I think it's supposed to have some episodic stuff, but it's no, it's overarching stuff. Hmm. Um, but even with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 3D one on Nickelodeon, there were some diehard turtle fans who were like, no, this looks terrible. This looks like the 3D movie that they came out with in the early 2000s, which that in itself wasn't too bad. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't a terrible I do appreciate that as shows continue to progress, the ones I think do best are the ones that pay homage and are respectful to the original's intent while still realizing that things need to grow and adapt and you can't please everyone. You can't. Mm -hmm. And there's no one that's harder to please than a diehard nostalgia nerd. So may as well try your own reimagining and reinvention the best example as of late you know the they again have redone the teenage mutant ninja turtles yet again i this one doesn't look that great i liked the one that they did but this one eh, just isn't as good but it's this one was made kind of with a younger audience in mind nothing wrong with that of course i'm not the target audience for any of these but the best example has got to be ducktales and i've only seen the first two episodes and it's already it is working towards the nostalgia and it's bringing in a new audience they're already on their third season Mm -hmm. and they took the cool parts which were hunting for treasure uncle and his nephews embarking on way too dangerous missions and then it improved stuff it gave its female characters actual agency within the plot and not just throw it in for quote-unquote the girls um it tries an art style that's more invocative of the original material it dies into backstories each of the nephews has has their own personality which was kind of almost reminiscent of yet a different retelling of the uh the triplets and donald quack pack oh my gosh (laughs) now that's from our time but no please don't hold that against us that was that was a awkward awkward show but this i would start to put in that same category this shira is bright it's colorful it's charming it's witty and it's got a lot of heart it's deep it's not afraid to give you those those moments of uh, self-doubt. It's it's not afraid to challenge you. So we are we are just going to talk about the first two episodes, the part one and part two of The Sword. And we'll spoilerific all of, over that, but that's as far as we've gotten so far. Um, we highly recommend it. Uh, we were going to just watch the first episode, and then the way it ended, we looked at each other and said, we can't just stop. No, no, we have to see the second one now. And then we're like, okay, now we do have to stop because now the arc has completed and we do have to talk about this. And we can't just sit here for another six hours and watch the rest of this because it's nighttime. Like and if we were Elizabeth to... is sleepy and coked up on meds. <laughs> like if we were going to talk about the first episode of DuckTales, we would have to talk about the hour-long thing that they released. Mm-hmm. So. so again, we know nothing about the original Shira content. We can only speak about what we see here. I like that Adora is 
brainwashed from birth into being a bad guy that she thinks that she is on the side of good that the horde which to her is just a family is trying to do good by Eternia and its citizens and actually no is quite terrifying i also like the idea that everyone is terrified of princesses that princesses are scary and full of power and could get you just like that and i'm like thank you please yes why does it always have to be you know princess has to has to be equated with dainty and delicate and in this one it kind of turns the whole thing on its head like no you should be terrified of these things they are crazy powerful yeah it's it's kind of funny because one of the first things you see is a training exercise and they're like you must fight the princesses in the this forest and and be warned because they have powers and this and that and like each of the princesses it looks like they're wearing like the big bell skirts but they have like the evil eyes and like the the pointed fingers and everything like that. And it's just it's really it's a real big wink and a nod towards like the, they are taking themselves seriously, but in a different direction than normal. This isn't your mother's Shira, if if you want to look at it that way. This isn't too obvious either. It's not like how can she not see the horde is evil. They're very clever in showing that misinformation has been given to Adora and probably a lot of people in the Horde to make you think that they are trying to stop this rebel insurgence that is detrimental to the health of this planet, that these princesses are evil, and that they're only attacking military strongholds. Once she leaves, she realizes that they have been carefully feeding her these lies to make it more palatable for her to take care of what she needs to do. Sort of Ender's Game-esque in a way. They even have a point where she's kind of training in her room or in the locker room. And she's like beating up a picture. And you don't really get to see what the picture is until like the very end. And the picture is like this artistic rendition of like the queen but the queen looks like the typical like evil queen from a video game almost and the fellow horde members are just a ragamuffin bunch we see goblin people lizard people cat people it seems like it's this random jumbled assortment of people of outcasts who have all found a home under the horde's rule and it's kind of makes you wonder you know I appreciate everything that Tolkien did for fantasy, but I feel like we've got to a point where, oh no, if they're evil on the inside, they have to be ugly on the outside. Their ugliness makes them evil. That whole orc archetype, that doesn't come across here. None of them are abjectly terrifying or awful or anything like that. I've seen this kind of storyline where like the this char- like a character's been brainwashed and they don't know you know, how to deal like with the the lies that they've been told their whole lives and everything like that. Weirdly enough, I go to uh, Power Rangers. Um, there's a uh, character who was who's actually the brother and son of two of the main characters. I think it's Rescue Force or something like that. It was one of the stupider ones. But he's been brainwashed his whole life for, for years and years and years. And he thinks that, th- oh, no, this is what needs to happen. It's a little bit more like he thinks this is right. Less less like he thinks this is what's good and this is, you know, all that fun junk. But more so this is what's right. He has to do what's right. And it might take, you know, force to do it, but he, he must do what's right. 
Yeah, you're 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 seeing some um, kind of Hitler youth kind of. It does have that sort of vibe to it. Yeah, you you train them up. You show them disturbing imagery of the enemy. You give them promotions and ranks, and say that you are special. You've worked hard. You deserve this. Um, torture of fellow compatriots to figure out where they are, and even our um, main character's friend. Catra, uh, she at the end says, "Yeah, I know they've been lying to me. I know that they've been lying to me all my life. But you and I will look out for each other. I can always count on you, and that's why it's such a hurt. It's not that they have different ideologies or anything. It's literally she feels like her friend, her only friend, the only true thing in her life has turned her back on her, and that's what." causes the split between them which i think is a much better cooler enemy to fight than i am always right and you are always wrong and good and evil shall always do battle and good shall always triumph (laughs) i shall get you yet (laughs) he-man uh that being said i cannot wait for She-Ra to get her freaking rainbow pegasus unicorn. That was probably the funniest part. That was the most amazing thing. Here's the deal. This show is not shy about embracing the fun parts of life. It doesn't sell toys to you. It says, what would a girl who's been raised her entire life in an industrial complex in a, in a guise of war... What would she find the most amazing thing ever? Parties, festivals, birthdays. What is that? You mean that horse? It's so majestic. She she doesn't like become girly, but she like no she like, she just becomes like she's just like in is entranced by it. And if it's you've adorable. never seen a horse, that's probably the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Oh, it's so beautiful, so powerful. I want to touch it. It was so genuine too. They did. They didn't play it up. It was just like they're not like she's like. I've always wanted to just ride something. They didn't like try to like. Oh, you know. Oh, she's gonna get her horse. Don't worry, guys. She's gonna get her horse. She's, they're like, no. Like, here's a actually genuine funny moment, and it it worked really really well. Yeah, the humor in this I think is on point it reminds me a lot of avatar like a lot yes yes they have the ability to at certain points veer into anime expressions or motion lines to convey fast eating or anger or frustration uh whimsy uh the The big big sparkle eyes yeah they 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 fall into the big sparkle eyes but it works because they aren't afraid to go into the thin pupils the the small eyes they're they go both ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. and the other characters we talk about adora who's our main character uh and katra her friend Again, I don't know anything about Shira mythology, but it seems to be a kind of analog for Wonder Woman's Chitara. Sort of. Apparently, um, the one piece of trivia that they have for this uh, show right now is apparently Catra was actually supposed to be the original big bad for the show, but they changed it to this the horde or Hornack, Hornack or whatever it was later on for the filmation. 
um, show. For, so whenever the toys were produced, then they, you know, it was like, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll make it for the Horde or whatever. So uh, Catro was actually supposed to do that. So that's why they're kind of steering back towards that. Plus, this dynamic of friends turned to enemies is going to be a much deeper, deeper thing. I, I've, I've seen this before, but I can't remember where I've seen it before. I swear to God, we would be a much stronger podcast if I can remember this kind of stuff. If we did any sort of preliminary research. research. Yeah. If only. If only. Because um, I know I've seen this this thing where like friends have become enemies. But, I mean, you could you could look at it like maybe the Terra uh, Beast Boy saga for Teen Titans. I've seen this kind of thing before. And it's, it's, ne- it's never been done this profoundly or this much. Like, starting from the beginning, like, oh, these two friends are, like, basically the main characters. They're starting off as friends, like, and you believe it. These This friendship is absolutely believable. Not like, hey, man, we're f- such good friends. Yeah, I know, right? Wah, wah, wah. No, one of these friends is clearly carrying the emotional load. And it's really nice to see that not all friendships are equal in their power dynamic. And that friends, just because they get along, doesn't mean that they agree on most anything. We also have our uh, two other supporting characters who are friends in their relationship. Uh, Glimmer, who is a princess, uh, who we find out, and again, another funny little reveal where Mm -hmm. she, you think she's getting called into court to get chewed out by the queen as her commanding officer, and then you realize it's her mom, (laughs) and she doesn't want her to get hurt, and you don't let me do anything, mom! Jeez, mom, you just don't understand. And uh, her friend Bo, which is probably the Sokka archetype and therefore my favorite. <laughs> he, he is he is Sokka without being Sokka, but he's totally Sokka. He's Sokka if Sokka could fight properly from the beginning. Oh, but Bo, so, he's so charming and nice. The kind of charming and nice that makes you wonder, perhaps we might find out some more backstory with him because Glimmer, we get a sense that they have lost people along the way, she says as much, and you feel like she's probably lost a friend and she wears that right on her sleeve. Bo strikes me as the kind of character who later on you could find out like real terrible shit happened to him and he's, since then, he hasn't let it control him. He tries to maintain a positive outlook on life because he knows that he could let sadness envelop him at any moment. I mean, the, the same could be said about Sokka because, you know, their dad went off to fight in the war and they lost their mother at a young age. So, mm-hmm. you know, the same could be said about them. But guess what? That's why Avatar was so riveting is because you had this backstory and, and it, they didn't just be like, oh, hi, my name's Sokka and my dad's off in the war and I lost my mother and I... That's my whole character. You know, it was they they developed it. They grew from it. And, you know, he had he became the strategizer along with the the funny one liners. And, you know, that's the sign of a good show when you have that possibilities or you show, hey, we had this character. Yeah, he's kind of funny. And he he's holding these two characters together. But there's still possibility for other things to happen. And I'm like, you know what? I want to see that. That That's the hallmark of a good show. That, it's, that I want to see what happens to these characters. I want to know. There's 13 or 9 other episodes. 11? 11. 11 other episodes? I don't know math. Um, there are 11 other episodes. 
I want to watch all of them. That's the hallmark. It's it's already pulled me in in a two-parter. Yeah. I think that we should take a quick break. To, to weave into our break. This show is actually created by Noelle Stevenson. Does that name sound familiar? Very Watch much so. Does, can, you, uh, can you happen to tell me Noelle Stevenson? Why are you typing it now? Why was it not typed in before? Because. Yep. Because yep. Uh, when uh, I, I saw it's like created by Noelle Stevenson, or rather adapted for Netflix or for this uh, adaptation, um, it, it has been adapted by Noelle Stevenson. Now, we've talked about, uh, by, about Noelle Stevenson on this show. At least once before. We've actually recommended one of her books. And guess what? We're going to recommend her book again tonight. Fabulous. Oh, less <laughs> work for us. Great job, Aaron. Exactly. See, I, I, I thought it might be a little silly, but uh, we're, we're actually recommending two of her works a little bit. Uh, but we're going to specifically recommend with our sponsor uh, one of them. So our sponsor, again, is Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. You just got to go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. If you go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea, you can get started today, including the lovely work Nimona. By the creator or adapter, however you want to call it, of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, Noelle Stevenson. And it's narrated by Rebecca Soler, Jonathan Davis, and Mark Thompson. And it comes in at a very lengthy two hours and 16 minutes. We spoke about Nimona before. Nimona is actually a graphic novel that has been adapted into sort of a radio play an, an audio play, as it were, for the purposes of Audible, so you can listen to it and still get the gist of it, even when you can't see all the pictures. And Nimona presents a very fun story where instead of a someone trying to be the sidekick for a hero, uh, Nimona, the main character, is trying to be a sidekick for an evil villain. Ooh. And it is a very wonderful read. Liz and I have both read it. And we definitely recommend it. So if you just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea, you can get started and you already have uh, one to try out. And if you are less on the audio train and you want to get more into the comic book portion, Noelle Stevenson is also the creator of Lumberjanes. Yes. Yes. Gosh. What a time to be alive, Aaron. Hashtag not sponsored by Noelle Stevenson. What a time to be alive. What a ha- bunch of great Hashtag content. we might throw this up on her page and try to get her to sponsor. Well, I'm really glad, Aaron, I'm very glad that you told me all this because I now see it. Uh, Noelle Stevenson has a very unique eye, not only for her character design, but for her humor and there is definitely lingerings of all of that. We have a cast of almost all women except for Bo. And it is not a look at all these women. Look how good we did. Hey, guys, girl power. Because that may have flown in the 80s, but it doesn't fly today. Rather, it tells a compelling story 
the characters happen to be women and we life goes on no one no one is here to point fingers at it and try to sound the sjw horn there's there is a a a male character in uh the training camp where adora starts off in who is obviously like the weakest link but it's not because he's a guy like oh you're such a you're you're weighing me down whatever your name is if you were all, if you were a girl, then you would be so much better at this. They don't address the gender part of it at all, and the whole thing with Bo. Bo is pretty good, a pretty adapt archer. He saves them on more than one occasion. Yeah, the the whole like oh men versus women does not come into play, or at least has not come into play yet in the first two episodes. And I hope they don't bring it into play because so far it's been enjoyable and it's not been thrown into your thrust into your face, thrust into your face, thrust, thrust. If you could stop, that would just be gravy. <laughs> What you, the audience, are not seeing right now is I'm just thrusting right into her face. Oh, please, don't tell them that. Don't fill them with lies. If anything, I am thrusting piles of hankies and Kleenex into my face as I die slowly. Not as slowly as you do with your humor, but... How many more times can we say the word thrust? Let's talk about the rest of this show. Because we already recommend it. And we recommend anything by Noel Stevenson at this point. Hashtag Noel Stevenson. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. Um, I want to talk about um, comparisons being made to other shows on right now. Because this is kind of a thing that people got brought up with when people were starting to have a fuss about her character design. Oh, she doesn't look like the original. All this, all that. And a lot of people draw attention to the idea that currently animation all trends to look alike first is it true or untrue comparison or critique second if it is true is it is it a bad critique it's the idea that perhaps you know back in the 80s she-ra looked like he-man looked like gi joe looked like like jim looked like they all looked identical and now in an age of perhaps more progressive attitudes on what we show our children and how we better equip them for life by using the programming that they watch, we have character designs that uh, range the gamut. We have a lot of rounder faces, less Barbie, more real human. Um, they compare it to, Ed, when I say they, I'm talking about detractors who Less tend to Barbie, just... Barbie, more Barb. Ha, <laughs> yeah. They like to compare it to Adventure Time, to Steven Universe, to Gravity Falls, this prevailing trend of new character designs that are less realistic. And when I say realistic, I mean 80s idea of realistic. More of a, um, they call it uh, Cal Arts. As in people who are training right now in Cal uh, Arts, which is a animation school, are entering the work field. They've all been learning the same art styles in the same place, and they're the ones who are in the workforce of animation and now have spread the idea and concepts they have learned throughout most of modern animation. So first, is this critique true or not? I would say not. I would say that the existence of the original Teen Titans, of the new 
DuckTales would show that different art styles are still appreciated in the industry. I don't think anyone is going around saying, no, it has to be more homogenous. No, they all have to have round faces and noodle arms. No, you know, I wouldn't say that that is the case here. Um, however, I will say that there's definitely a difference between the cartoons of today and the cartoons of 10 years ago, 20 years ago. There's definitely a difference. I think it's for the better. I agree. I, I think it's for the better. Um, and there's a reason why if you take eras or if you take time periods like five to seven years and you look at the animations or look at the TV shows, um, specifically animated TV shows at the time, and there tends to be patterns or there tends to be a similar... Uh, animation structure and that's because either a they're following trends or b there are animation companies that are riding high like if you look back at the filmation you know of the 80s or uh the deek or dick or whatever it was called of the 90s or late 80s early 90s for tmnt and uh whatever other I know they produced a lot because I they the I remember hearing Deek a lot um, as a kid, uh, or you know a little bit later on you had the the faux anime anime style uh, the uh, early two thousands, and now with the round faces and the noodle arms of you know the late aughts early you know twenty tens uh, or even nowadays you know coming up on the twenty twenties you've got these. You, you've got trends, and people try to you know, capitalize on those trends. Sometimes they do it well, sometimes they don't. And you, you, you can tell which ones are doing it right because they're trendsetters, or they find what's going on with the trend, and they're like, okay, I see what you're doing, but that's not what my show is about. Because their show will come through even with the trend. The show Adventure Time has a very distinctive animation style, very fluid, very rubbery, almost reminiscent of the classic animation of the, you know, 1930s, 1940s, you know, early early Mickey Mouse, early early Looney Tunes, um, the Merry Melodies, Bendy and Ink Machine, what it was inspired by. There's been a couple shows that have been made by the same animation company that look almost exactly like Adventure Time, but are completely different than Adventure Time, uh, like Bravest Warriors and, uh, or I think, Adventures of Catbug. But they're, it's the same animation company. And the problem is, is when you have the same animation company, that's when you have those trends, and it's it's hard to break away from those. With this here, with the She-Ra and the Princess of Power, it's probably a very similar animation company to some of the shows that we watch. It might even be a same animation company to, say, The Legend of Korra or something that we've watched. So we know the studios that are behind this. Uh, DreamWorks. Well, yeah. Legend of Korra, Nick. Steven Universe, Cartoon Network, She-Ra, DreamWorks. So we yeah. know that these are all high companies in the top of their field, all doing a they, similar style. They can style. pay for the high companies, or they can pay for the high animation, or they can pay to bring those people on for at least one project or one story, at least. It looks like our showrunners are developing from a similar pool. 
uh, where you see a lot of uh, The Last Airbender in She-Ra, I see a lot of Steven Universe. I see it in the character designs. I see it in the color choices. I see it a lot in the designs of the atmospheres and environments. I, I where I see Avatar is I see it in the the writing style the oh, obviously the humor but I see it in the animation itself not I, like just the fluidity of it there there it's not the most fluid animation but it's not terrible animation by any by any imagination or stretch of the imagination well you can't equate good with fluid I do. That's and that I I I hold my hand up high and I say that that is a shortcoming of me. When I look at animation, the more fluid it is, the more it can flow from one part to another. Um, the like the original kind of teaser, the opening for Ducktales is one of the most fluid pieces of animation I've ever seen, and it's one of the better ones I've ever seen. Because they get more time to work on it. Exactly. Like how every anime opening looks like a epic rock mm. opera, and it's getting better. Yeah. I've noticed with a lot of the newer animes, the opening is almost as good, or is as good as the animation for the show itself. For me, I think it's because the shows you're watching lend themselves to more action. It's easy to say that My Hero Academia looks like it's opening because both parts do have a lot of motion and action going on, whereas stuff like Sailor Moon has a you know, crazy opening, and then it codes to normal girl walking through high school for a majority of the time. You, you're correct. That that is a good point. There's also a difference between uh, someone how they move their mouths uh, when it's just opening and closing, ang, 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 like a robot, yeah. to actually moving your lips and moving the jaw up and down, and or showing the dictation or the. A movement of the words themselves that shows yeah. actual animation. I've been recommended, uh, insisted that I should join uh, the ranks of those who watch Sailor Moon. And having now seen She-Ra, I'll say to them, "Okay, we'll do that." But we are also going to watch us some She-Ra because she has her own transformation <laughs> sequence, and that it's was, kick ass. That is, I I giggled because I'm like, that is so Sailor Moon. So Sailor Moon, I love it. I, I can't wait know, till she gets a horse that does that too. I I don't know which came first. I honestly don't know because they both came out in the '80s, or at least Sailor Moon came out in the Japan in the '80s. She-Ra came out in america in it's 80s, almost so. like the same thing happened back then where everyone pulled from the same pool of ideas and concepts and it stretched them to different parts which moon, princess, uh, uh, prism power, moon, prism power. I, I do want to say one more final thing about every all the shows looking the same because i disagree with all the shows look the same even back if you look at trends they do have differences Ben 10 does not look like Teen Titans, even though they're made by the same animation company. There were definite similarities between the two, though. You're 100% correct. Even um, Generation Rex, or Generator Rex, it's same animation company, different show, still different things. And so nowadays, when you have all of these different shows, and even now, Netflix just unveiled this, like, this little mini not trailer but it's basically saying hey all these different animators are going to be working on projects 
I don't know if I could get more excited about all these damn animations that are going to come to Netflix now. Because Alex Hurst, the guy who created Gravity Falls, is bringing something to Netflix. Jorge Garcia is bringing something to Netflix. He uh, created El Tigre and um a love, bunch of other things including the the book of the dead i love a uh, book of life i love Bo- that he's book of life sorry unapologetically excited about his mexican heritage he, oh my god and that's and and that's what's exciting about his work too because it comes through it makes you excited to watch his stuff and it, i love his like his style i've seen his his kind of style of work and other things but it, his just works so well and his show il tigre was hilarious it was so underappreciated that might be something we watched and just like just the unappreciated genius of Jorge Garcia. But the biggest for us, for the us, big kahuna. the big kahuna for us, uh, you master, gotta say it. It's the master Glenn Keane. Yeah. He's coming back. And I'm so glad he's been working on something else besides a freaking short about the power of a basketball. I'm sorry. He has done such better work than that. I'm glad he got recognition for it, but Oscar winning. I know, but he's done so much better work. <laughs> It has everything to do with the content, not with his animation. But even they showed like the differences in animation, and it really just shows what animators can do. Glenn Keane's been working in the industry for so long, he knows how to do traditional animation, and he is still interested in learning how to animate in VR, in three-dimensional space. That's so cool. He, I do enjoy that most about artists, that the good ones learn how to adapt and grow with the world around them you have to of course you do so gotta be like the shark stop swimming you die <laughs> so i'm very excited to see the different animations and different styles that are coming to netflix because just those three names alone like i'm like drooling over <laughs> Well, let's talk about the biggest unanswered question that the first two episodes present. Now, again, we haven't seen the original show, but I am very certain that She-Ra and Adora are the same person. She-Ra is just a mask and power that she dons. This show, this new show, would seem to indicate that She-Ra is a mantle of power, a different person entirely who inhabits the body of a human host and is bigger than life and it's kind of like an avatar state to be quite honest that yeah i would agree with i wasn't going to but at the end you you made a good point she doesn't really know what's happening until afterwards when she comes out of it like a fugue state like she embraces the power for the honor of gray skull accepts it and she grows and gets her giant flowing hair and her costume and then she just kicks butt just walks in the middle of battle kind of floats into the middle of battle and then just slams her sword on the ground and everything just falls apart instantaneously like a force of nature i think she is going to learn how to control it kind of like how Aang can control the avatar state to an extent i think at one point she will be able to control she-ra or she will be able to be she-ra this kind of storytelling is the best kind of storytelling in my opinion you and the character your protagonist that you follow 
both start out from a state of not knowing about the world. And as your character learns more, so do you learn more. And as her world opens up, your view of the world opens up. So right now, we have a very limited view of only what our character knows. And the more she knows, the more we grow. We don't know anything about the backstory of Eternia, why the Horde is here, who is this mysterious digital program that called her in the first place, why are these magics both technology and magic all of these questions we will why? learn more why? of why? Why? the more that adora learns about she-ra the more we will learn about the world and the more we will both grow in understanding and knowledge which will lead to a satisfying payoff at the end as opposed to just oh here's how it works she-ra is a mantle and you carry it and the sword is works on this program wavelength in your brain it's yeah it's not like adora you're late for school oh no <laughs> oh god no, please. Like, uh, freeze frame. That's me, Adora. I bet you're wondering how I got there. Well, you see, one day I was walking through the woods and I stumbled upon this sword, where at least unleashed this power inside of me called She-Ra. Hi, I'm Adam, Prince of Eternia. Oh my god, and that was like almost a spot on Adam, too. Thank you. I appreciate that. Why did he have an accent? Anyway, I really, I think there's something really cool about that, and I'm excited to see, again, it has this sort of magic tech Steven Universe vibe where this is a planet in space and you feel it as a world in that context more so than just continents on a planet. It's like this is a whole world that's going on here with ancient technologies far more ancient than where we are living right now. Again, an Avatar Last Airbender vibe and there's other shows where you start off Breath later. of the Wild, even. Yes, that's exactly it. Where a hunt, like thousands of years have passed since they had figured out how to make all of these things work and they fell into disrepair and disarray. Sort of like Atlantis figured out electricity and power oh, and then yeah. it fell into the sea and no one knew how to do it for years and years and years. So this idea of a more advanced culture preceding the one that came after it and having to learn more about that and get back to that, super cool. And I wish I could be an eight-foot-tall, glowing demigod. There are times when your character doesn't know anything about the world, when they're transported into a different realm or something like that, and they have to learn about it. And it's it's a slog. I've seen animes, I've seen movies, I've seen TV shows where it's like that. And it's difficult. It, it, it's not like the show is bad. It's just, it's a, it's a crutch is what it is um this one is approaching it in a better way i don't know if it's because the character already knows stuff about the world because she's lived in it her whole life but she's lived in it in a different way than these other characters and she's having to get it basically retaught to her i don't know if it's because that there is this ancient technology I don't know. I, I'm interested to see more. A little blurb goes by about how Adora thinks that the princesses are dangerous because they can't control their powers. And it sounds like they make the link that uh, being emotional is bad. Being a soldier who follows orders is good because you can control stuff then. Like, you're, like the Horde is afraid of emotions because they're volatile and unpredictable. 
Well, think about it. Think about Shadow Weaver. Shadow Weaver, the the character who's kind of second in command, or she has emotions, but all her emotions are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're only two episodes in, and I'm already pretty uh, enthralled with it. So yeah, it's super fun. I definitely recommend it to those who have no idea what She-Ra is about. Um, if you like the way that current animation trends and storytelling trends are going, I think that this is right up your alley. I think it doesn't shy away from the hard stuff, but isn't uh, also afraid to just have fun and be just give us some chuckles, give us some beautiful imagery, give us some hard choices and really wants you to enjoy the world that they're creating. And not just sell your toys. Yeah, like, I'm already excited about the damn cosplays. Oh, yeah. There are going to be some amazing cosplays of this. Because they're not, like, fancy-ass costumes, but they're not difficult ones either. It's going to be, I think, the similar way. Again, I know I keep bringing it up. But it's going to be a similar way to Steven Universe, where you will have people who will learn how to make them because the palettes are simple it's not overly texturized or overly worked you can make these costumes and i think that's really speaks to the idea of the characters back in the 80s she-ra and he-man and gi joe they were all made to sell toys you were supposed to play with these characters you weren't them you wanted to be them you could not be them here are some toys to pretend that you're playing with them today's animation is you can absolutely be these people. That's what you're selling in Hot Topic. It's, you know, some maybe some Pop Funko figurines, but what they're really selling is the t-shirts and the hats and the accessories and things that you can wear in real life, like Wonder Woman necklaces or t-shirts or the costumes themselves you want to cosplay. You get to be these people. Like, depending on how the show progresses, like if she continues to wear that jacket, that jacket will be sold by Hot Topic at some point. I want that jacket. It's, it's a pretty badass jacket. It's so baller. It won't keep you warm, heavens no, but it is very, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's it's an interesting trend. Like, and I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, it's just, you know, feeds our consumerism, but... Well, I don't we were s- always going to, ever since uh, Reagan D... Um, what is the proper word? I'm dying. Uh, ever since Reagan pretty much gave TV shows and movie companies free reign to say, you know what? Yeah, you can start making stuff that are pretty much live action commercials to sell shit to kids. That's fine. Long live the American dream. It was always going to happen. So I guess the better question is. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you going to tell me that such classics like Mac and Me are just hour and a half long advertisements guys i know optimus prime died for our sins but it was made to sell plastic mac died and i cried and then i went and sopped up my tears with mcdonald's hamburger if we're gonna buy it at least let's buy it where we can be it i actually don't know if mac dies in that movie probably not (laughs) probably no, that'd be pretty bad for McDonald's stock, I imagine, for that character to die within its commercial. I just know it's a hundred times worse than any E.T. ripoff, and I'm including the porn ripoffs. Why do you always have to bring it back? 
first it was thrusting and now it's porn we're talking about she-ra and moist okay so here's the deal if deadpool can come out with a (laughs) pg-13 review for christmas we have to come out with one that's nice and pleasant enough for children during the holidays too oh god well i have an idea of a christmas episode you always have ideas you aren't allowed to talk about them no more just one idea so um i've actually because of uh how halloween went not because it necessarily went bad behind the scenes or anything uh, but because of how uh, much I had the reins for Halloween, um, I am giving Liz almost complete control from here until probably February. As it should be, ladies of the world. Feministas, unite! <laughs> if I can get a really genuine laugh out of Aaron during an episode, I consider it all worthwhile. So, yes, I'm going to be picking some fun ones to go over. I may not be on theme as Aaron usually is. I just like to pick shit I like to watch and then go with it. Well, I mean, as long uh, this isn't a Halloween or sorry, Thanksgiving episode, but I would say this is a fun episode for Thanksgiving. So if you're hanging out with your family this Thanksgiving and there's a couple young kids and you want them to be able to watch something that doesn't rot their brains, this is good. If the, if this is a little old for them, Hilda. Hilda. Uh, showed my three-year-old that. Three-year-old nephew, not three-year-old oh, oh. kid I suddenly adopted without anyone's knowledge. I was like, wait a minute. Nah, and he liked it too. So I think that'll be the trend from now on. Things that anyone can enjoy. Holiday cheer. And yeah, I did see that trailer today. I actually am going to go watch this PG-13 rated Deadpool. With the death of William Goldman, I have to go too. I need that nostalgia so dang hard. Well, that and Stanley. Oh, God. Let's do a a little, little memoriam here for Stanley because I think that no matter what Bill Maher says... The man, oh, you haven't heard. I don't want to bring any negativity into this particular episode. I'll tell you after when we're off air. But no matter what people say, the things that brought you joy in childhood can bring you joy in your adult life. And just because it's make-believe doesn't make it any less real. So for all of those people who were personally moved by the creations that this man helped bring to life... We salute you. Keep being crazy, beautiful, wonderful people. It's what Stan would want. I learned a long time ago that people uh, aren't always perfect. You know, things have come to light about Stan Lee, and he was not always the nicest man. He was not always the most supportive of people's ideas. But overall, he helps create a world that has put forth this area that people can show not only creativity but a um, a message of hope for a lot of people Um, i've known people who've looked towards x-men to be able to come out about their sexuality i've known people who've looked towards captain america and uh, have looked towards them to be able to fight cancer and I've known people who've looked towards Spider-Man to be able to pa- look through um, someone's passing. Um, and that is myself included. With everything good and bad that this man has brought into this world, we must remember what we can take from this world is that 
we only can try to bring good. At the end of our lives, we all should hope to be a net gain. Exactly. <laughs> we should be on the positive side. And I think some of the good that he tried to do it near the end was was good. And I wouldn't be who I am today if he hadn't created the characters that he did or helped put a hand in that he did. Stan, Jack's got a shot up there for you. Your wife has missed you. And by God, you will have some applause. We hope you all have a lovely Thanksgiving with your family and your friends who are your family. One last time before we get too sappy. We are <laughs> brought to you by Audible.com. Check out this election. Get a free book with the audio trial at audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. And of course, this week's recommendation is Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. Uh, we highly recommend She-Ra and the Princess of Power. In fact, we might go after this is done saving and watch a couple more episodes. Sounds good to me. As we get Liz drugged up a little bit more as we try to get rested up for this uh, holiday weekend. So Hell yeah. From our little tiny family to all of yours, happy Thanksgiving and be safe out there. And just remember... If you go out on Black Friday to Holiday Shop, turn your phone to horizontal so you can get the best picture frame for those fights. She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And and we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea.